Hello, and welcome to the Third Age Design Podcast, sharing essential information on senior environments. I'm Laurie Pinkerton Rowley, and we'd like to welcome our new listeners in Germany, Denmark, Australia, and Israel. And we're very excited that in our very first year, we've gained a community of listeners from 11 countries and four continents. Today, we'll be speaking to two directors of the Brevard Alzheimer's Association in Melbourne, Florida, USA, about the provision of facilities which can support stay-at-home care, including a dementia home safety checklist. Our Hats Off tribute is a new-build retirement village in Louisiana, U.S., which will be opening shortly and which is specifically linked to healthy living. And this month's Innovation Spotlight links this theme to the work of Scotland's Sir Muir Gray and his Living Longer Better course. There's a lot of use it or lose it in all of this, and it's backed up by substantial research. In one of his videos, Sir Muir Gray says, the elixir of life doesn't come in a bottle. It's called knowledge. And that's why Third Age Design is here, to share knowledge about senior environments gathered from all over the world. Don't get left behind. Join the free interactive community of professionals at thirdage.design. Just click join and you'll get sent our TAD Senior Home Safety Checklist, which is inspired by the checklist of the Brevard Alzheimer's Foundation. We're going to give you more about that later. Anyway, you'll have access to our exclusive forum as well. So go to thirdage.design and click join. It's free and you'll learn something new each and every podcast. Okay, let's get started. Around 50 million people worldwide have been diagnosed with dementia of one kind or another. The United States has only 4.2% of the world's population, but 10% of its dementia cases. The three U.S. states with the oldest populations are Texas, California, and Florida, where I'm speaking today with directors at the Bavard Alzheimer's Association, Director of Education and Outreach, Deidre Schubert, and Compliance Director, Sean Ottle. I've just had uh, a tour of the facility. There are lots and lots of spaces. I know you're in the process of changing some of them, but I've, I've learned a lot of things um, walking around, tried to share some things. Could you just go into the, the ethos and the, the general breadth of um, offerings that you have here? Yes, so um, Joe's Club is our adult day health center. Um, and as you said, we offer very many different programs, um, but the main part of our program would be respite care. So if if caregivers need a couple hours a day or a whole day because they're still working full time, they're able to drop their loved one off here uh, in a safe environment that is also engaging. Because as we know, socialization is very important for somebody that may have any kind of cognitive impairment. Um, as part of Joe's Club, it's not just for those that have any memory impairments, but just basically anybody that may need a little bit of assistance or just a kind of a place to go during the day again if their loved ones need um, somebody 
some respite care or some help at home. So I think you mentioned uh, earlier when we were walking around that it is not necessarily dementia. You're the Alzheimer's Foundation, but it's not necessarily dementia. It's not even probably necessarily Alzheimer's because there are so many different kinds of dementia, but but just any sort of um, impairment along those lines. One thing that we were talking about as well is what is your criteria for people being able to attend? How are they how are they assessed? So our main criteria for people uh, coming here, uh, honestly, is just uh, for for physical ability is to be able to stand and pivot with assistance. Um, you need to uh, be able to you know get out of a chair with uh, a, a two person assist. Um, so physically, that, that's really all, all they need. Um, they don't need to be like, like you said. They don't have to have dementia or anything like that to to be a member here. Our, our license is actually uh, adult daycare, so. Uh, 18 and up is is the uh, requirement. And then if if somebody is exhibiting um, particularly anxious behaviors or any um, anger management sort of interventions are required, uh, what else can you offer to those those families and, and carers? Upon entry into Joe's Club, we, we do a, an evaluation day to see you know just how the uh, the member may may act. Uh, a lot of times there there is anxiety in the beginning, and we work with the, the the caregivers and clients as much as we can to you know alleviate some of the anxiety when they're coming here. Um, you know, one of the uh, terms that that we use is, is uh, compassionate fa- fabrication, uh, meaning sometimes it's okay to tell a little bit of a white lie to, to you know get get someone in because you know if it is for their for their benefit. But uh, we also offer uh, case management services um, to to the loved ones. We offer support groups, uh, caregiver support groups to help uh, the loved ones as well. And then you you offer some support in the community if somebody weren't able to stay in the facility of some in some ways. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Yeah, we also have an in-home respite program as well. Um, the name of that program is called Project Relief, and it's a companion care program. Uh, caregivers are allowed to get up to four hours uh, a week to help with their loved ones. Um, we also have uh, contracted with other services to provide actual hands-on uh, in-home care as well. And a lot of times we work, you know, conjointly with those. So if they can come here during the day and then uh, and then have a caregiver um, at home after they leave here to help with a little bit more, then that's that's the ultimate uh, ultimate goal. And I, I learned something when we were standing out in the garden. So there are a lot of large spaces here, um, non-slip vinyl floors, uh, good contrasts on the skirtings. I know you're going to be, you're talking about putting in a chair rail or a dado rail, depending on what, what country you're in. And those are all highly contrasted as well. But the facilities themselves are um, uh, quite open. There's a more intimate space for people that are maybe uh, have a more challenging case um, in which you've added circadian lighting. And that's, is that recent, I believe? Um, so in 2015, we partnered with a local university and their um, gerontology program. And they ran a research study looking at how do how does lighting affect um, the circadian rhythm and sundowning symptoms? And so they partnered with a local lighting company and uh, installed LEDs in the ceiling in our uh, in our lounge is what we call it, Lily's Lounge. With the research, they found that with the lighting, it can uh, help decrease any kind of sundowning symptoms. Um, 
keeps everybody alert more during the day, a little bit less sleeping, um, so then they're not up at home once they go home. I think we might have another guest to introduce. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. This is my two-month-old Ezra. He is um, our special guest today. <laughs> I think he's probably always a special guest, and he's absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, there was... Uh, another thing that we were uh, discussing, and there's a, a, a very nice garden with uh, paths that go around. There are no dead ends in this area. Um, and behind that, you have a storage facility in which you have donated equipment. Can you tell me, Sean, what, what happens with that? Uh, yeah, so we, we have Joe's Medical Closet as well. And uh, basically, we get donations all the time from uh, from different caregivers that you know made their loved ones passed on, and they still have medical equipment, wheelchairs, walkers. Um, hospital beds, and uh, and we'll take those and we'll uh, redistribute them uh, in the community to anyone that may need it. So it's it's a free service. People just call us up and ask if we have something, and if we do, it's it's theirs. So as our executive director Tim says, we're not in the no business. So we have people come by all the time to donate these items, and as Sean said, we repurpose it. Um, sometimes people will donate, um, you know, pads or unused um, depends, wheelchairs, walkers, we're able to store them. So if anybody in the community needs something like that, they're able to come by, pick up that shower chair, pick up that electric scooter even, um, and it's open for the community. Fantastic, depends for people that, that uh, don't know what that is, they're a, they're a pad um, uh, offering. And you've said something earlier about water and people with dementia, which was rather a new one on me. Um, is, is this you, Sean? Could you fill us in? Uh, sure. So th th that basically came up. Um, so for whatever reason, people with dementia um, seem to be attracted to water. And that, that came up through uh, a program that we, um, not that we offer uh, particularly, but we do recommend it called Project Lifesaver. And uh, it's, a, it's actually a national program um, in Brevard County. Uh, the Sheriff's Office and Brevard County Triad uh, run that program. And uh, essentially, it's a, it's a radio transponder that fits on the, either the wrist or ankle of the individual. And um, should someone uh, wander off, uh, like in the middle of the night or something, uh, the Sheriff's Office will uh, initiate the, the transponder start pinging it, and they'll send up their chopper um, to the air, and they'll triangulate wherever that individual is. Uh, the good thing about the transponder is that it is a radio transponder, not a GPS, um, so that, you know, for a reason, if someone does end up in a body of water, uh, they can still locate the, the transponder, whereas a, a GPS will lose uh, signal if it's underwater. And we will put a link on the podcast um, resources for uh, research relating to the, the, the water interest in, in people with dementia, because that is, I think, an important thing to share. Um, in terms of the facilities that you have, and this, this might be um, a, a question for uh, the charge nurse, but if you could wave a magic wand and have unlimited resources, what direction would you go? Because anybody listening that wanted to, for example, set up something in another country that offered some of these services, where would you start if you were starting over again, I think is the question. 
Well, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> um, I know something that we run into frequently here at Joe's Club is just having more room, more space. So then um, our members are able to spread out more. Um, we're able to help more individuals. As you saw earlier, um, everybody sits at the round tables, you know, six to a table. Um, but I think having different more space with different rooms. Um, so you saw that we kind of have four different setups, um, and not including the back area, but it's nice so our members are able to get up and change their scenery a little bit. Um, and then maybe another wish list item that I've seen uh, would be the uh, life care life care stations, I believe is what they're called. Um, I've seen where they set up kind of a, a mail station or a laundry station, a baby station. So that, again, our members can participate in useful, um, meaningful activities as well. That would be my wish list. And you had um, sort of soft toy and, and doll therapy um, being offered and there was there was somebody sitting in a chair talking to, a cat who was so content and had so many, such a beautiful smile um, on her face. What would you say is the uh, is the most rewarding part of being part of an organization like this, Sean? That's tricky. Um, I guess just just being able to help somebody, seeing uh, seeing the caregivers, um, you know, the, the stress just 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 leave them. Um, there's a, a story that's actually on our website uh, called uh, Chris and Kenny, and. Um, uh, I actually uh, signed up uh, them years ago. Um, Kenny has since uh, has passed, but his story is on our, our website. But uh, in, in the video that we have on our website, the caregiver talks about coming into daycare, uh, bringing her loved one, and for about the about two weeks straight, just, you know, every time she'd drop him off, she'd walk away crying because she didn't know if, if it was the right thing to do. Uh, and almost to the day, like two weeks later, um, she started walking out, but she had a smile on her face because she knew what she was doing was the right thing, not only for him, but for her as well. Um, just that, that, that stress, just, you know, she was again, like smiling and, you know, um, you know, you can, it's, it, it's, it's a great feeling to see that. Um, so just, you know, stories like that, uh, all the time are, 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 are very common. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the best things. And why is it the right thing for somebody who has this condition why why is it helpful to be able to participate in that way for well, i mean for the for the members you know for the members they get the socialization socialization aspect um you know they're able to you know not just sit in front of a tv all day um you know they're able to to come here uh see see their friends um cause, you know they do they do make friends as they as they go along um, you know, it gives them something to do. There, you know, we do different brain games, do different things. It just, it, it just, it gives them life. You know, it, it better[s] their quality of life. We want someone to remain at home as long as they can with their loved ones because they're not going to get the kind of care that they do with their loved ones that, that, that you know at a facility. Um, so if we can, if we can help them do that for as long as they can, then then that's what we're here for. And that that facilitates that happening. In other words, because they're doing the socialization, they're leaving their home, they're coming into something else, they're socializing, they're getting meals, they're being stimulated, they have the garden um, that's all been safed and designed specifically for them, then they can stay at home longer is, is, the, is, the, is the end result. So that, that's correct. Yes, exactly. Um, it's, it's kind of always, we like to say, it's always a party at Joe's Club. 
you know, there's always something going on. There's always socialization. Uh, we have live music coming in. Every hour of the day is structured. And as Sean said, you know, the caregivers are able to walk away knowing that their loved one is in a safe place and participating in functional activities. And the research does show that if somebody has um, an active quality of life, social engagement, cognition um, exercises, that maybe the dementia progresses slower, right? If you can modify your environment, you can modify the activities you engage in, then your quality of life definitely improves. We would be remiss in uh, not touching base on, on one aspect of your website, and the link to the website will be on the resources page of the podcast, and that is the Home Safety Checklist for Alzheimer's Disease, which you have listed there. And I understand from Sean this is a nationally derived uh, document. One of the questions that I have about it, we will put this as a link, as I said, is when do you start doing this? Because if somebody is at home and if your mandate is to keep people in their own home for as long as possible, if somebody's at the early stages of dementia and you start suddenly putting red tape around floor vents, it could be a bit questionable. So how, how would somebody use this list in their home and know when to start adding some of these interventions? Right. And so, like you said, if you start adding red tape to something, it might trigger somebody that has very mild memory problems. And so I think it really depends on every case is going to be different. I, I think from the very beginning, you can start implementing a lot of these different um, checklist items because even for somebody that doesn't have memory impairment, some of it is just general safety, such as removing scatter rugs, right? I mean, that's a fall risk. So anybody, memory problems or not, you can implement that to decrease any fall risks. Um, but you can go through the checklist. It's not a you have to do X, Y, and Z. You can kind of pick and choose. You know your loved one. You know you know who you're working with. So if red tape would trigger somebody that's very mild, maybe you don't do that one, but you do the four above it. That's the great thing about the checklist is it's a guide. You can adapt it to your situation at home. Right, and the, the first one on it is display emergency numbers and your home address near all phones. I'm sure that was learned from experience, um, one would imagine. Are there any other things on the list that you think are really key points, Sean? Uh, honestly, kind of going, going backwards a little bit, uh, talk about you know, when you should start, start doing this. Um, the you know, Dementia and Alzheimer's uh, is, is definitely a, a journey. So um, I would, like, like Deidre said, you know, try and implement this as soon as possible and, and include the individual in the, in the process because you know, it's not something that you're, you're not doing it behind their back. You want them to know, you know, this is why I'm doing this. You know, you know, doctor may have said something about, you know, mild cognitive impairment or, you know, whatever things are, things are progressing. Uh, so you want to include that individual uh, in, in this process, in this journey, because it's, it's, it is a, a tough thing to, you know, to, to deal with, to come, to come across. Um, so definitely, you know, don't, don't just uh, drop it on them. You know, let, let them know, like, why we're doing these things and, and so forth. Do all the people that come here... This may see a really silly question, but does everyone who come here, do they know they have Alzheimer's? No, definitely not. 
Um, and like you said earlier, it's they may not have an Alzheimer's diagnosis. They may have vascular dementia. They may have Parkinson's disease. Uh, we have some individuals that have Down syndrome. And so, you know, our members, they may or may not know that they have any memory impairment going on. Um, and it's not up to us to bring that to light either. We just take the individual as they are right then and there and adjust, right? So the staff doesn't ever, would never discuss with them the fact that you have a diagnosis of any kind, and that's why? Honestly, a lot of the direct care staff probably don't know what the exact diagnosis is. The charge nurse will know, yes. But as far as the people providing direct care, I mean, you treat ind every individual as an individual, diagnosis or not. And Deidre, just I think we ought to sort of end on who Joe is, because... He's been mentioned an awful lot, and this is um, there. There must be a reason for this. Yeah, so there actually is a Joe. Uh, Joe Steckler started the um, Brevard Alzheimer's Foundation and Joe's Club back in 1995. Um, he is a retired captain from the U.S. Navy, and as part of his mission through the Veteran Affairs or the VA, was to kind of start a memory care program um, for those. A respite program for those that had a memory um, diagnosis and so back in 1995 that's how Joe's Club came about and he's still very large in our community um, very much about helping our seniors in Brevard. And from this facility you actually run three in total this one and another two one further north in the state and one further south in the state so it sounds in the county, sorry, rather. And so it sounds as if it has expanded over time from when it started. Yes, and if you ask people in different states, they know of Joe's Club. Um, we've been recognized as the adult day center to, um, to mirror, to model. So if somebody's in Seattle, they've heard of Joe's Club. We've created a brand for ourselves here, for sure. But yeah, we have three locations, and maybe one day we'll expand even further. Who knows? Come, come to Europe. We don't have anything like this. Thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. While we certainly do have adult daycare in Europe and other countries, the breadth of support offered by this organization is really impressive. And you can find links to the Brevard Alzheimer's Association, their home safety checklist for dementia, examples of life care stations, and much more on the research links attached to this podcast at thirdage.design. We've added one research link about the affinity of bodies of water to dementia, which was mentioned in the interview. But if you know more about this, we'd really love to hear from you. Please drop us a note through contact on the website as we'd like to learn more about this. This month, our Hats Off tribute highlights another American project, this time in Southwest Louisiana, USA. The Villages of Imperial Point is a 75-acre mixed-use retirement project that's slated to open later this year. What's different about it is that it's designed specifically with healthy living and physical and intellectual engagement as its focus. There will be 129 apartments with several dining venues, bars, a fitness center, yoga studio, event center, arts studio, demonstration kitchen, theater, putting green, shuffleboard, and more. Numerous social and educational and even spiritual programs will be offered. <laughs>
There are further planned multifamily housing, hotel, and medical buildings planned for the site, including a memory care facility. It's the breadth of this visionary plan, first proposed by local orthopedic surgeon, Dr. John Noble, which is admirable. And you'll find links for further information on the resources page for this podcast at thirdage.design. The subject of today's innovation spotlight would, I suspect, be entirely au fait with the aspirations of the villages of Imperial Point. Just last week, I heard Professor Sir John Muir Gray giving a talk about optimal aging. Sir Muir Gray is an internationally renowned authority on healthcare systems and has advised governments including the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, Italy, Spain, and Germany. He's a British physician who, among many other accolades, founded the National Library for Health, and he's written many books, including Sod 70, The Guide to Aging Well, and Evidence-Based Healthcare, among many others. He proposes that the older you are, the more activity you need, and that the more long-term conditions you have, the more activity you need. He speaks and writes about both physical and intellectual activity as being critical, and he provides an online Living Longer Better course. He says there's no upper age limit to this process, and there are benefits of staying active at any age. And we're going to hope to discuss this with him in detail at some point, the physical facilities needed to support his theories, which are related to the cognitive and emotional impact of what he calls four aspects of fitness, strength, stamina, suppleness, and skill. As operators, developers, architects, and designers in this area, it's deserving of our consideration. And you're going to find a link to the Living Longer Better course on the research link to this podcast at thirdage.design. It's sure to spur your thinking about how properties might be developed in the future to really support these activities. We'll finish as always then with a quick look at our TAD International Calendar. Care Show Japan will be held in Tokyo from the 8th to the 10th of February. April 2nd to the 5th, we'll see the Environments for Aging Conference in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, USA. I'm going to try to attend that one myself. And the Nursing Home Research International Conference will take place in Leiden, the Netherlands, on the 13th and 14th of May. You'll find more information on sector conferences by visiting the events page at thirdage.design. A huge thank you to my guests, Deidre Schubert and Sean Ottle, and of course, little two-month-old Ezra of the Brevard Alzheimer's Association. To our producer, Mike Scales, to the fantastic Valerie Adler of The Right Website, Peter Thorne, who composed our theme music and is playing the piano with Mary Blanchard on flute, and finally, to you. Thank you for being part of a community who believes we can improve senior environments together. I'm Laurie Pinkerton Rowley, and I hope you'll join me for the next one. Thank you.